Jamie, what you brought up though, I think is super important for people to to realize that how much every day is kind of a struggle of building a brand in the city. Steven, now you're, you've done it in New York. You're down doing it in Chicago. Welcome back to the podcast, by the way. Thank you for Episode having me. Episode 186-ish, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know how Oh, well, here we no. go. Steven, yeah, Jamie. Nice the Dragoon. Such a pleasure. Steven is the national BA for Lustau. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. so we're, we're transitioning from away, away from whiskey and yeah. going into the spirits of the world. Love you. Um, as Wilson still is kissing people on his way out. Um, that was beautiful, man. Well done. That was beautiful. Top, top of the, it was, um, those are big shoes to fill. It, it's I, I just it's thought, funny I just because... I of my, uh, my wedding speech. <laughs> And then applied Tried Wilson's it. name. Brittany is here. Yeah, she's not paying attention. Um, <laughs> First podcast was, she's ever listened to, by the way. I know. Brittany's apathy for Candle Lake is my apathy for Tom's hockey team. Uh, well, I well, mean, you're a hockey mom, I saw. <laughs> I think one of the thing, the big things was I was, you know, we were talking about smaller brands, um, talking about brands that maybe don't get the recognition that they deserve, but are built on like this foundation of flavor and taste and stuff. And I was like, man, I, I got to let Stephen come in here because I think we've talked a little. Obviously, Lostal is not an unknown name. But, I, but it is to any average consumer, I would say. Yeah, it it is, but there is this misconception within our industry that we are huge because we're, you know, very fortunately, that. you know, the go-to sherry. And I would say 90% of the time. So most people think, well, we're, we're the giant and we're actually probably like, Fourth back, it would be Gonzalez Baez, Valdespino, Barbadillo even, you know, puts out more in, on really? a bigger scale than us. So well, it's like we're, you know. We're but really you and like, I share a cocktail together at Edo, so that's yes, all that matters. That Have all. you well, done a Binnie's or a like off-premise tasting? Not in Chicago, no. Okay, I wanted, to, I had so many questions to that. <laughs> so I just would I, love, because I would love to hear what someone would say when trying it. Right, like I've mm. I've tried craft whiskey out to someone, and they go, "Oh, it's good, but not as good I, as my it, Dragonberry and it's, Sprite Bacardi." Like, I would love delicious. to see like what. It doesn't go well usually. I think to be that's what I would think. Yeah, <laughs> it does not yeah. go well. So are you like? I'm going to throw something out here. Are we like 75 percent off premise sales? Uh, no, we're. I mean, I would say we're probably more like ninety percent. No way. Yeah, because it's, it's wow. It's us nerds that love them. Yeah. Yeah, but usually, like St. George Skew is really on premise, but but we're still almost like sixty forty. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's surprising. Huh. No, and I mean that was something at the beginning of COVID. You know, we were discussing how are we going to get in the off premise, and it, it, I just flat out told my boss, I was like, Nina, people aren't just going to start buying sherry. I <laughs> yeah. Mean, you know, I, well, I love the brand and love the category as much as anyone, but no one's just going to be like, well, it's And that goes back to, like, the brand The brand ambassador can't change the brand. Right, right. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I can only do so much. And, I mean, I, I feel like we have made some progress, you know, in the s- seven years this month with uh, Lustau. We, we have seen some growth, and we're, we're, you know, trying to expand our reach. But we still have a long way to go as far as consumer outreach. I mean, so what's pe- your like most simple cocktail that you would put? Sherry cobbler. 
It's a crusher. It's one everyone loves. It's one you can do seasonally. A pile pounder. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They're delicious. And yeah, you, you can, if you want to do the muddled fruit, if you want to use some sort of fruited liqueur, you really could have a sherry cobbler on your menu all year long and just swap out which mm. sherry, you know, which spices, whatever. Right. So that's the one I usually push for. And then the bamboo and the Adonis, which are just really martini, a martini and a Manhattan in sherry form. Those are the three I usually start with. Um, geeky ones, the sherry daiquiri is one that really throws people off. Fino sherry, the lime juice, like the salty and the, and the lime. Fino, did you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it pops. It just it really catches people by surprise. And, of course, the, the ABV is extremely low, so that's a big plus as well. Well, I think coming from my world, you know, I think my first introduction into sherry, real sherry, was first of all through Scotch and then through Jake. Jake and Brittany, actually, to be fair. Really? Like, well, it wasn't it wasn't so much that you guys introduced me into the world of the sherry. It was more that they were like, oh, we, we drink poor. And mm. I was like, I'm not, I'm not fucking drinking poor. I'm not 85. Yeah, like, do you see a walking cane? <laughs> we are. Yes, yeah. my knee is fucked, but like I get <laughs> Uber's everywhere. Says you're like, 85, though. When's I the get, last time you've been to a barber? Fuck <laughs> Thank God Wilson's not here because he was going to see some Cold-blooded tonight. Um, <laughs> what did you say? No, I'm kidding. Um, but seriously, um, and that was my sort of first introduction to Sherry. Then obviously, moving into the industry here in the United States, it's way, way, way bigger than that, you know? It is. And then actually, when I started to dive into Scotch and learn... Why do these scotches? Why do the sherry scotches taste so much better than all the other ones? Mm. What is it behind that? And then now other whiskies are starting to pick that up as well, right? So absolutely, I think it's going to have a a sherry naissance. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think we're we're in that time. I feel like for years we've been talking about oh low ABV. You know, we're, you know low ABV is trending, and it's like well, I mean. We talk about it, but I wouldn't say it's trending. I feel like we're actually finally there where people are wanting to drink lower ABV drinks. I agree. Uh, yeah. And it's like now is the time right. to capitalize because there's actually an interest in consuming less alcohol, you know, having two or three drinks versus one stiff drink. So I, I think now is the time. I mean, being a smaller producer, I mean, COVID presented a lot of issues and, you know, e even still is presenting a lot of issues as far as production goes and, you know, harvesting grapes and, you know, having the manpower to do it. Mm. Um, but it, it, it is the time for fortified wines right now and, you know, lower ABV liqueurs. So. And I feel like there was like all of these... Uh, no AB, ABV spirits like Ritual, yeah. Seed Lip, um, right. Seed yeah. Lip yeah. things yeah. like that. And I thought, wow, like what, Seed, uh, what ritual, a big moment. Proof whiskey. And then yeah. as someone who became pregnant that spent their every day at a bar, um, it's really not. Like it's, in some ways, I totally agree with you that I did think, oh, this movement's happening. Here we go. Even the low ABVs. And then actually being that person walking and looking for it a part of me felt like i was at indie spirits for the fifth year in a row talking about rum is like i do think we're moving well, there but it's almost like and i think something like low abv and no abv like the amount of articles that i'm seeing pop up that like millennials no longer yeah. are interested in drinking like i think you're absolutely right i guess what i'm trying to say is i think a lot of bars are behind the time like well, if you're a bar and you don't have one to yeah. two low abv you're failing no yeah. yeah. you, so do you feel like you could go sit at a bar and drink like if you were for a, a non a non alcoholic 
a brand, could you go sit at a bar and push that as much as you could with like saying George, like buying drinks for people? Or, yeah. Yeah. I do. Really? No, I wouldn't say as much. You're at a place to drink. I do think you have a consumer that needs to have that. Where if someone walks I, in and they can drink, they have beer, they have wine, they yeah. have uh, straight spirits, they have cocktails. If you can't drink, you are limited to very few options. You have maybe 10% of the menu if the menu is great. I think I asked the wrong way because would you have people that are going to go buy $15 drinks? Yeah. Yes, I would have. So <laughs> is there enough people at the bar to support that? I think of the basis? amount of, okay. So I used to think my life was crazy being pregnant. I was like, this is fucking wild. It is. I am pregnant. There's people, a baby not growing. Not many people drink like us as we think. No, but, but you walk in somewhere and you start looking around when you're pregnant. There's a lot of people there with a kid who have a kid, have been pregnant, there's don't drink right anymore. The bar, yeah. Like pregnant. once you actually do, yeah. Like if you walked into the bar, like better pops right now and you took, took like a, um, a survey. survey of who isn't drinking, who maybe like there's people who are now dealing with IVF and IUI and things like that where they can't drink, like trying to get pregnant now. Mm. Like there's like, I think there's such a huge market for it now that I've been in that. Yeah, or is it more about how you can use lower proof alcohol incorporated into a drink that makes it less, less alcohol, alcohol based, I think both. but you can still sell it for $15. I think that more so than, and it's not because, oh, you can sell it more with the lower alcohol. It's, it's scary right now for bartenders right now. Like I've always said that's, that's, that's not right that someone leaves a bar and gets in an accident and that can come back to a bartender. Yeah. I mean, I've worked so, at, we've all probably worked at bars that are like, yeah. I, mean, I worked at a bar where literally on every Thursday it was biker night and a thousand bikes would come. And, so why do I make them yeah. a four ounce martini when and, I can make yeah. them a sherry cobbler? Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure if bikers are going to but the, yeah. I'm going to make this happen. But I don't think they're having martinis either. But you know what well, I'm trying to say. No, absolutely. No, but, you know, I do. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think I think the low the low ABV thing is complete. I mean, it's less so in America at the moment. But you look at Europe, the Aperol Spritz awesome. is king of Europe. Right. I, and we're always spent, just like five years behind. Five years. Yeah, I yeah. spent I spent you know three weeks or two and a half weeks, two and a half solid weeks in Europe in uh, August through September. Is that where you're from? <laughs> and, and I can't get through a conversation with this guy. Do you know when I worked for Palm Bay, which was... You did? Yeah. Right before the collective. They had Gonzalez Bias. Like, 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 like a Illuminati thing. Yeah. Like she's like, you know, I work for Palm Bay. But they had like, Aperol who? as she's well. Like and I the threw collective. out all of the Aperol stuff in our storage closet. It was like umbrellas, golf clubs, da da da, because Aperol wasn't. Really? Yeah, they ended so, up selling it because it was like it was nothing. So in Italy, they they changed the law, um, and now that the lower ABV stuff is so much cheaper, the tax is so much less. So we would go to the beach, and if we wanted to eat gin and tonic or whatever, it's nine euros, eight euros, which over here would be a bargain. I mean, it's eight bucks, right, yeah. for G and T. But an apparel spritz at some restaurants on the beach is four or five euros. Now, if you're 6'3 and 220 pounds or 250 pounds. Bye, Brittany. Bye, producer. Bye, Brittany. Say hi to Lola. First podcast ever listened to. Um, <laughs> if, you're, if you're at that stage, for someone like us, like a $4 Aperol spritz isn't going to give me a buzz. Now, if you are a young woman who wants to just go and look gorgeous on the beach, all of our women here, yeah. then a €4 Euro Aperol spritz is more than enough to get you going. And I feel like... 
the time of like doing shots of tequila and so on is mm. completely leaving Europe. That's There's the thing. So people don't want to get less and less and less like of that. They want to go out, have a, make it more of like a social. And be able to get out in the morning yeah. and have a great time, a bit of social lubricant, and then in the morning, get over it. Like they don't want to be in bed until 3 p.m. Yeah, the next yeah. day. It's so cold. how do you feel things went from, I feel as though like COVID was people drank more. Yeah. Right? Like they absolutely. wanted heavier. And obviously we said like off premise they weren't purchasing, but as on premise started opening up, were people were buyers open to it? Were buyers looking more for the heavier drinks? I really didn't see a change in uh, in that regard. Um I mean, COVID was so hard on us because I, I feel like most people you know, would go into the off-premise with maybe a bit of adventureness in them and maybe would want to try something new. Mm. I feel like COVID scaled that back immensely. It's like, I'm not going to try Star Wars or a whiskey. I don't whoa, know. I'm whoa, gonna, whoa, whoa, not because whoa, it's whoa, bad. I'm God, just saying. God. You know I love, saying you know during I love COVID. All the whiskeys he could have picked, he picked Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, it, Wars. people were going towards Johnny Walker or Tito, like Tito. They were. See, Holy I would com- think they'd want com- to. Com- things they know they're tried and true so i feel like you know especially for us it's like well i mean it's not even worth our time trying to make a dent in the off-premise during covid because we weren't doing much in the off-premise oh i'm sorry you're saying off-premise okay i thought you were saying on-premise when they opened back up i was like they're still going for comfort no 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 um in the off-premise uh opening back up i mean i i do feel like during COVID, we saw a regression in cocktails, or at least in New York. I, I, Lienda was a great example. I mean, great cocktail menu, you know, world-renowned spot. They had a full-on margarita menu during COVID because it was like, they, they got to make money. They got to make money. Yeah. Pumping, yeah, exactly. It's like, get rid of your so tall cocktail with all, yeah. like, just, they had like three or four different well, flavors. Like 65% margaritas. or something of all cocktails, although are margaritas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the number one best-selling cocktail. Yeah, yeah. of course, of course. Yeah. So we definitely saw a regression as far as you know what people were wanting to drink as far as cocktails go during COVID. But now that things are opening back up, you know, I, I do feel like we've returned in, in the on-premise as far as people are being creative and mm. you know using sherry in interesting ways and you know <laughs> trying to incorporate it whether it's you know a sherry-based cocktail or as you mentioned earlier, like let's take a classic you know cocktail template. And instead of two ounces of whiskey, an ounce of whiskey, an ounce of sherry, and modify it somehow to make a fancy black Manhattan or whatever. Well, how do you take all that information that you learn behind the bar, information you work for various distilleries too, to apply it to sherry? It's hard because it's it's such a different world. I, I feel like whiskey was always easier to sell because there's such a, a huge demand for it, and mm-hmm. you know there are loads of people that are just you know whiskey aficionados. Even in the you know the consumer world, in the sherry world, it's you're a bartender, you're a psalm, and t- that being said, a lot of psalms hate sherry. I've Why? encountered so many psalms that are like, I fucking hate sherry. I'm like, wow. Okay. Here we go. Like, Why? I don't know. They don't like it. The flavor profile, it, it, it the production-wise, it's radically different from a lot of the other wines. Right. Um, yeah, some of them are just, I hate sherry. But then there's like, distilleries fun. replicating how sherry is made. Right, right. So, yeah, the, uh, you know, the Solera system has been adopted by so many, you know, different we spirits use ours, brands. Yeah, we use Solera for our single malts. Yeah, it's... Oh, you do too? No. <laughs> what? Come on. <laughs> 
No, I mean, it's That's a great, it it's a so great way to age spirits. And, you know, it is. It blend, makes the most sense. Make like, a consistent product. Um, no, it, it's, it tells it's a story. It definitely tells a story. I, I think for me as well, like, there is a sweet spot there between... I see you did there. <laughs> with the Selena <laughs> aspect. And, no, but look, there is a sweet spot between with a cocktail where I'm not Negroni guy, right? There are people in this room that are Negroni people. Um, I love Negronis. There's yeah, loads I, of people that are Negroni, Negroni people around here. Loads of people that are sort of uh, Manhattans and Rob Roy's. Whoa, 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 whoa. Take it easy over there. Yeah. And uh, whoever it, whoever it might be, I am someone that like when I'm going out um, and I'm having a cocktail. If I'm not working, which is very seldom yeah, now because no. I can't use the company card and <laughs> have to use my own money, which is disgusting. Um, <laughs> I'll only ever, I'll only ever really do things that like are, I don't want to say patio pounders, but they're, they're sherry shooters in yeah, the sense yeah. of like, mm. they're much easier to drink and I can take it at my own pace and I don't have to worry about drinking it. Like I don't have right. to sip it every five minutes or whatever. There is a sweet spot there that I think for all of us, we always forget that 99% of our consumer is not interested in the, the really intricate flavorful it like mm, yep. there's all these layers the to the flavor and a jack and know, that, like, yeah bud light and a shot jack you know mind. like a, a low life as they call it down <laughs> in sportsman's a high life and a shot um and instead i think that's where the low abv really comes in yeah. so now but let's is that say, market sustainable to keep attracting those places those people to your places I, I, I mean, I think so because like, a, for example, like a one, an, a one ounce whiskey and a one ounce sherry cocktail is still going to be up at 16 bucks. I guess it's in, different for places like Chicago where you can easily get on a train or a bus or an Uber very easily accessible. I was going to say, and oh, 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 oh shit. Hey, I haven't had this one. Ginger Jess, I guess now we call her. Whiskey, sherry, cocktail. Oh, my goodness. And oh. Ginger Jess, take my seat. Yeah, please. Come on in. Ginger Jess is going to walk Get in delicious. here. <laughs> Jamie, are you going to... I'm going to have one more cider, and then I've the got a pump. Super mom. <laughs> <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen of the Keen League, we've often talked about producing. The first we've, talked about, we've talked about producing whiskey. However, <laughs> we're going to have our first live breast pump. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, was a podcast oh god well Jess, uh, I just, I, i'm great i just i couldn't sit back there like every good rep i have whiskey in my purse always i mean who does purse. in your purse um this literally was in my purse and i'm like you were talking about a sherry finished whiskey i had to bring it up and this was supposed to be released last fall and what i love about our company is we're starting to be known for our we're sagmore spirit uh, our finishes, but finishes. Uh, I would ki- I would literally stab a kitten if I could find another bottle of the Calvados, <laughs> and I love kittens. Oh, but the Calvados finish is Chef's kiss. I mean, but <laughs> just before we get too deep into it, like, I want to say for your brand and for you and Brett, who um, Brett, he, where are you? He He's in Carbondale. Allegedly works in Chicago. Uh, is that you know Sagamore was one of those brands that first reached out to us. And was like, hey, we want to like come on your podcast and talk about our whiskey. And like literally, it's one of the very first brands that reached out to me like through DMs on Instagram, dropping my DMs real hard. Uh, <laughs> they were like, hey, like we want to come on and talk about what we do as a brand. And I, I never even heard of Sagamore. Yeah. 
it was pretty fresh and pretty new in the market, especially in Chicago. Um, three and a half years in, I started in April of 2019, and I hadn't heard of it either. I was you were looking hire, for, hired at the same time. Yeah, I was looking for a brand that I could get behind. I yeah. had been working for a, a kind of a niche whiskey brand before, and I was like, I love this job. I love doing this world in this aspect, but I refuse to do it for a brand that I don't 100% stand behind, that I don't drink, that I that I just literally aren't in love with. And this job posting fell kind of into my lap with a couple others, which I kind of don't remember who they were. But I remember Starboard. I grabbed, <laughs> it was Starboard, yeah, right? Just you had better hair. That's how it works. They went with you. Wow. <laughs> Dirty hair. But I remember I was heading out to Wisconsin to hang out with a buddy of mine who lives in Racine, and we were contemplating this job. And I stopped at Benny's in Lincolnwood and grabbed a bottle of the Sagamore Signature and then hopped on the highway. I went out to his house and I Started sat down. Started drinking on the road. No, well, I, uh, now. But it was just one of those things where I sat down and I cracked it open and me and him shared a dram. And I looked him in the face and I go, I will fucking work for this company. This is delicious. Right. Like, I love it. I did some research on the brand itself. You have a great distillery. And, oh, it's beautiful. It's, beautiful, it's, okay. it's so beautiful. And that was <laughs> the one thing that I, I had written down, like, my Has there ever been a key needs. in the lake trip to the distillery? Oh, we, you guys I, I've, I've invited myself many of a time. We I can have, take you. But no one's actually ever taken me. Brett. But, I mean, I mean, has there been, has <laughs> there been like, a, like, like where, where, you know, they come to us and they say, yeah. key in the lake, we want you guys I to mean, go. We're going to fly you on a private jet. Brian's been in my twice. Five-star hotel. Five star hotel. Brian, did you unshackle him so he can get his shit done? Brian and I shared uh, many of a time in Louisiana during um, Tales of the Cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, no, Brian's amazing. Yeah, no, you. Really it, I, what I love about Sagamore is that straight up on the bottle it says we do rye. Yeah. Yeah, I love we that. Do. Unapologetically, we do rye whiskey. Yep. We. This is how our foundation built about through MGP using the systems there. And now you guys are Cheers. doing your, all Thank of your you own so whiskey, um, or starting to do your own whiskey through your distillery, building it through there, and going back, harping back on a tradition of making rye, which was the first introduction to whiskey in America, which many people don't know. They, people think it's bourbon. It's fantastic. But now I you're want doing, my sherry uh, it's so connoisseur here to give me his feedback. What's the ABV? On, uh, yeah, it does not drink like 106 no, at all. We did uh, 18 months additional in XP Sherry Barrels. Ooh. And it... Last fall was supposed Share to come out. out. We let it kind of mellow, and we're just not quite happy with it. And what I love about our company is they're not like, well, we said we were going to have this. We're going to push it out. We want the numbers, blah, blah, blah. They're like, no, it's not ready this isn't ready. ready. Yeah. We're not going to push it out just to get numbers. We want this to be perfect. I'm sorry, did you say value. PX yep. Yep. Sherry, barrels? Yep. sherry Barrels? Awesome. Mm-hmm. And then we let that kind of mellow. It's not mellow. quite as sweet as your, yeah, it's not quite as yeah. sweet as typical. Right, yeah, and yeah. then we put it back into our eight-year, if you guys remember the eight-year release that we did. Let that kind of mellow out a little bit. And they did that with the Calvados, too, which I really love. So we I aged the Calvados. Calvados. They thought it was a little too kind of apple forward. Put that back into our mid-rye barrels. Let it kind of mellow out a bit. And ugh, like I said, look out, kittens. I'm coming for No, you. yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's so good. And we just keep pumping out these finishes that, you know, when you, if you ever get an opportunity to go to our rickhouse that we have someday. But I have pictures of when we're walking through, and even us, they're like, just keep walking, don't look at those barrels on the ground, there's labels, just keep going, like, these are all experimental, just like, you well, know, we don't want, right. we don't want you right. to know what we've got going right. on. Because I don't even know, as someone who is in tune with everything that's going on, I don't know what we're doing for spring yet, because they're mm. not 100% sure, A, what we have for our yield, and B, what mm. they're focusing on. 
they'll have things coming up. But a couple of key things we're doing, uh, Penny's Proof, again. Yeah. If you guys follow us at all, Penny's Proof is our own distillate that we've been doing since day one. So I even have the little, like, I call them the 200 milliliter little hobo bottles. Um, <laughs> like the first year, the second year, the third year, and it's a progression of all our own juice. So yeah. yes. And I've even had buyers, which drives me crazy, who are like, oh, you're MGP, you're MGP. I'm like, look at the back bar. You have a lot of back bar stuff that's MGP. Right. Yeah, Stop using I mean, look, guys, that some as Some of the best excuse. whiskey in the world. Isn't right. It? Yeah. You guys were also doing something different than MGP where you're using the, the systems of MGP to make your whiskey. Wasn't we that took all of our ingredients and knocked on their door and said, can we cook our cookies here? Right. Basically. Yeah, yeah. We wanted to bake our stuff in your kitchen because our kitchen was still being built. Mm. So at that time, Brett we were fermenting things. Yeah, we were doing everything. I mean, we have six giant fermenters at our distillery. We have this huge, you know, copper distill. It's just everything on site is great. But you got to be a little patient. Right. With whiskey, yeah, you, you have to time. be patient. Yeah. And we didn't want to do whiskey. We didn't, or we didn't want to do gin. We didn't want to do vodka. That's not why we're in existence. We're in existence not to just to bring a brown spirit. We're in existence because... Maryland had a history of rye whiskey. Yeah. And I teach this all the time. Like, people don't realize George Washington was selling rye. Like, Maryland had 43 distilleries in it, in its actual state before, like, Prohibition, all this. Like, they were doing this before it was even cool in Kentucky. Kentucky wasn't even a blur. Yeah, right. George Washington made more money selling rye than he ever did being president. <laughs> right. It's crazy. <laughs> but it's just Kind of like those... how Barack makes more money making speeches. Oh my gosh, <laughs> well, exactly. We'll leave it there. But it's just that little history note and, you know, being a female in this industry. Yeah, please. I know a lot of our east coast whiskey history but you have these tastings where you have the duders were like it's not from kentucky i don't like it and you're like listen i well actually you know you get to asterisk them and say no you you need to broaden your horizon outside of this kentucky bubble if it's brown it doesn't have to come from kentucky Mm. and all the different spirits that are using for the finishes you know the sherries and the ports and the calvados and all those those complement that brown spirit so well. Yeah. And if you find a way, which I think Sagamore has crushed it and nailed it, of getting these finishes just tweaked and perfected and our crew at the distillery, they're testing it consistently and they're pulling it out. And it's just, I mean, you see with everything that comes out. It's just every time, they kind of sell themselves. You know, mm-hmm. we've had the port finish that came out. People are like, all right, this is good. And everything we've produced since, people are like, I don't care what it is. I know it's Sagamore finishes equal good. Yeah. Which is an awesome reputation yeah. to have. Yeah. You know, we absolutely. You know, it, there's, it, there's very few things that we've put out. And, you know, there's ones that might be higher up on my favorite list and mm-hmm. lower, but they're not bad. They're just a different flavor note for everyone's right. palate. Everyone's palate is very, yeah, right. very exactly. different. Remember, remember exactly. we saw Saeed um, yeah. Beguile, and we tried a couple of the barrels, and they were unbelievable and that was one of the days i think it was over COVID. actually you guys did a beguile release too we did we just did an imperial stat with them so they reached out to us for our barrels we sent them they put their imperial pajamas in it then they shipped the barrels back and then we threw some whiskey in it so if you want to talk about like i i like liquid dessert me too for me this was like a chocolate mocha Mm. like look out starbucks this is everything i want in a cup uh, it's a little coffee tough it's it's amazing that was an illinois only release we just landed that god like maybe a month ago yeah if that and it's just it's yeah. kind of like we're slowly building i feel 
with this new releases and everything, people are still, and I don't know if other brands are experiencing this, but the people are being a little trepidatious about bringing in an expanded yeah. line. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I think it's so, a very hesitant approach right now because yeah. you don't want to overwhelm the markets. Right. Like, exactly. We're, we're, we're relaunching again, essentially. Yeah. No. Oh, one, I was just having this conversation the other day. I go, I feel like I'm, you know, we have a new executive um, national sales manager and I go, I feel like I started day one again because mm. I, I, I'm relearning who the bar managers are. I'm relearning who the store managers are. I'm relearning what's selling well and what's not now that people are making that shift back oh, on yeah. the on-premise and which is fine, but it's it's that whole taking a few steps back when we were taking a few steps forward. You guys were talking about virtuals before yeah. and we were crushing it on yeah, virtuals. Because yeah. BT and Ryan, they can't travel all over the place, but they can sit in their basement right. and do virtual tastings all basement. the time. Or your basement. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think, we're, I think yeah. there's, there's, there's so much to be said about yeah. um, reach versus quality of time. Exactly. Um, and I think that that's something that, especially for 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 us, when the pandemic yeah. started to end, that I was like really starting to look at where is, for someone like Sagamore, it's going to be massive. For someone like Starward, yeah. where they don't have a lot of the corporate backing, don't have a lot of the corporate dollars, where does that, like... Where does that line kind of intercede with where do you spend a lot of time virtually and a lot of time quality? You know, I yeah. I did in a year and a bit with Aberlour over um, COVID, I did 330 tastings. Mm. Jesus. I mean, I, I, and you just... <laughs> Like and you just look at that. That's and insane. You, and you <laughs> think you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't see three hundred and thirty different accounts that time period. No. Oh my god. So goodness, well, so. well, one of the things that he kept saying to me on the phone, he would he would sometimes call me. Yeah. He would sometimes call me, and he'd be like, "Oh, what are you doing tonight?" And I'd be like, "Oh, I've got." And he'd be like, "No, don't tell me, you've got virtual tastings." And I'd be like. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, the brand grew exponentially. But I was going to say, however, did you see how that felt like the brand keeping grew exponentially, the brand out there? However, right. cause, causality, all these kind of things, like, is it because people are spending more time in the off-premise and they want to try something new and they want to do go to a scotch that they've never tried before that is beautiful, yeah. all yeah. that kind of thing? Because across me and the other two BAs, we did just under 500 tastings. It def- Wait, you did 330 and they did 170. They did 20 each. Yeah. yeah. Well, both of <laughs> now, as always, as always, I like That's to preface this. Right I like to preface this by saying we call that, it preface. Uh, oh, sorry, preface this by saying that um, preface. I did I'm gonna have not have to do the rest of my interview with. I did not have anyone in my house at that time. Yeah. True. Dave might come on the pod a little bit later, yeah. and Dave can attest to how nuts I was over the. I mean, you can attest that I would show up to Jake's house. I hadn't seen anyone, and I would treat his his dog Remy as if it was like a human interaction. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, it, it like, wrecked me. I am such a social I live, person. I live, I li- listen, like, I live alone. Uh, it, I live alone. Yeah. Super social, and it fucked me up. But anyway, so I was always looking for that like little yeah. bit of spark. So anyway, it's causing causality now. There, nowadays, nowadays Aberlour is still doing quite well, with, relative without you. Well, I mean, it's it's definitely slowed down and, and actually it's fallen off a little bit, but we won't talk about that because I'm going to cry. They should hire Wilson. I have a plan. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh man, just spill your baby on the day. Oh, but, um, but no, seriously, where where's that crossover? Because I spent so much time in Chicago and over the pandemic, Chicago as a market basically died. Yeah. And then when, when the pandemic ended, or not ended, but like it started to slow down, 
you could see the Arbor Hours numbers in Chicago started to come back, yeah. and that that was part of me, like being in the bars and stuff. So, mm. Chicago it's a has tough a, one. yeah, Chicago, and I feel like I shout this a lot to the, my higher ups, and and then they're probably really tired of hearing it, but. Chicago is its own malady. It is, mm. we had, everyone shut down. I've been in the restaurant industry for a very long time. Bartender, way before I became the supplier side. And we were always like, bars can never shut down. Like, it was always booze and porn, or recession porn, right. and all the, the two industries. And look, OnlyFans took there. off, and booze took off. But it was one of those things where I feel a lot of people freaked out because everything shut down. Then they're sitting at home, and they're seeing the fact that this chunk of change they used to spend when they were going out mm -hmm. is now in their bank account. So when they were scrambling and buying Jim Beam and, yeah. and Kettle and the Tito's and all them. these, yeah. you know, they're like, oh, crap, I got to get my booze because I don't know if they're going to close the liquor store or whatnot. Then we kind of went through this transition where it's like, okay, Benny's is going to be open. My grocery store is going to be open. Yeah. I can go get booze. I'm bored. I'm doing happy hours with my work. I'm doing happy hours with brands. I'm getting tasting kits. Mm. I'm finding out all these things. People who have never known that there are more than three ingredients <laughs> that go into a Manhattan, or what it takes to make a Manhattan, they just love drinking it, yeah. are finding all these things online. And they're like, holy crap, I can make this myself. This is great. So they have this surplus of knowledge. money yeah. and knowledge, money in their bank account, knowledge in their brain space, of like, this is great. So. Then we start to kind of phase back into on-premise. So are they going to go out and just order a Jack, Jack and Coke? Not necessarily, because they just learned that there's this awesome Jack Manhattan, or there's this Starward Manhattan, or there's this Sagamore, you know, Black Eyed Rye cocktail. And these just these different things that they've learned and they've spent time kind of learning about, I feel like the consumer's changing of what I want when I go out. And also, they're not going out three or four times yeah. a night. They're yeah. going out one, maybe two if they're lucky. So if I'm dropping $50, I'm not going to have a Jack and well, Coke. I can make right. that at home. I want gave, a damn good cocktail that's yeah. made for me with a great premium booze, and I want to enjoy my experience. And then we've got this halt where Chicago was, we're good, we're bad, masks, no masks. You can eat outside, but it's outside, inside, outside. This thing, and it's like, gonna, oh, and then you can do this. We're gonna show the street. Oh, you're great, oh, you, can, oh, you can't eat so indoors, great. but you can eat inside this tent, but just great, but you have to make a reservation, and then there's that, and I'm gonna As long as it's inside the street you. where you can't oh get God. COVID. It was so aggravating, and so many of, it was, it was horrible, and so I many of my friends. I think it gave the ability and, for us smaller brands <sighs> to introduce us to people, because people, uh, the brands that were had the space already, the rest of their laurels, they were yeah. there. It, yeah. They didn't know what else to do because and people, they see the numbers. They, corporately. Yeah. They corporately. The, big corporate companies yeah, were like, couldn't. you're not going out anywhere. No, it, you're going to stay at home. Yeah. Like, and the small not, brands now have started to seep in at the yeah. bottom and say, look, yeah. we're going to be here when you need us. We're mm -hmm. going to fucking work when you do the block parties. It's like, you're not going to have a, a tasting with like Knob Creek. You're not going to have a tasting with Bookers. No. Like when it comes to but the gym But they didn't need to. Exactly. They didn't need to. Because their numbers are going 50%, yeah. where ours are going down 40%, but at the same time, we're going to yeah. like plow through that 40% wall and yeah. say, here we are, the brands are going to express ourselves through this virtual platform. I agree. I, I and I feel that, yeah, the consumers that are looking for that premium experience where it's like, I want that experience. I used to do it five times a week now i'm doing it too and when i yeah. do it i want it to be right. hospitality. Yeah. that's why people are bitching and moaning about hospitality service now because they're mm -hmm. like why well, go up and then there's just the people that are yeah. That. yeah i yeah. mean that's it's, a whole other podcast i mean you look at our first you look at our first tasting after the pandemic yeah it was three 
tiny brands in Fountainhead and it was to the rafters. Yeah. Like, I think we did 45 bucks a ticket. I think it was six brands. Yeah, we were there for that. It was Blum, Sagamore, Avalar, Star Wars, Union Horse, Blum Brothers. And there was, an, there was one five? more. Wasn't there one more? We at least five brands. But people were but loving it. $25 People were bursting at the seams to yeah. get out of their house. So and that's just, I, it was awesome to see that, like, uh, I remember that went online, and Jake calling me the next day. He was like, yeah, but it's, um, it's sold out. So, like, we yeah. we need to put on a show. Yeah, and I, I, remember, I remember even talking to my, my mom, um, who lives in Iowa, and she's like, you guys are doing events? I'm like, yeah, we're putting on the first yeah. whiskey event in Chicago. Like, we're, like, no one's doing this. And she's like, oh, that's pretty cool like, to have. Like, you guys are doing something that no one else is doing and being in the forefront of it. And I never thought about it that way until hearing it from an outsider perspective about you're giving people a sense of normalcy back to their lives. And people still talk about that event. And they, yeah, me. Yeah, no, that yeah. was the perf- That event was the perfect time for when people was there. were ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never remember. Bob, remember Bob was there. Bob was there. Obviously, Bob organized it. But it but, was just one of those, like, it was the perfect storm at the perfect time, and everyone's just like, oh, my God, get me out of my house. Get me out so is of this, in front is of this, this Zoom. Is this the COVID podcast of whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> is this the only one that made it? I've yeah. been focusing a lot on, uh, on, on COVID, but the one perspective yeah. we haven't had yet, I think, would be the off-premise perspective. We have one person in here. Um, yes. That is I'll phase out since I, no, I stuff First of all, quick. Jess, uh, thank you so much for everything, but also because we what Second Moore has yeah. has done for us is immense. Um, we love you guys. Between me the, and Brett, we we love Illinois. Illinois has been nothing but amazing for us, and it's yeah, anything we can do to help. No, somebody. and I, I think one thing you pointed out to me yeah, about a year talking. a year ago, yeah, <laughs> Zach's here maybe from Bitter Pops. Um, <laughs> We only had one crier. When is the bar closing? Uh, Two hours ago. Love it. Love it. We'll be we'll be done within that. I'll take twelve scripts. Great food. We just got the we just got number two burger in the Chicago Eater. So in the city. So impressive. Shout out number two burger in the city, Chicago Eater. Shout out to the Eater. Shout out to Chef Steve, and me for Chef Steve. It's you know a big. Hashtag pickles. Hashtag slash chicken sandwich. I'm about to get on that burger. No, the burger is fantastic. Sounds good out there. Honestly, before we do sign off tonight, is that second or second more two? Yes, but Bitter Pops. This is a fucking awesome place to come visit when you're in Chicago. You can have a pint of beer from any brewery in Chicago. You can have an awesome burger, awesome chicken sandwich. You can buy beer also in whiskey. From the retailer next door, so they are all in one. No Loads of time. Loads of time. Loads of time. Um, but no rush. We also have jars of ketchup and mustard right <laughs> behind yeah. um, you. We have I'm we have, a, we have Star Ward and Castle yes. and Star Key. Ward. Actually, this Star Ward little Manhattan is mm, Mama Larky. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was gonna say um, just I I want to I really want to get some of the guests on. Yeah, well, I was gonna yes, say. Yeah, so I'm gonna fast over. Like we love you guys. Thank uh, you so much. I did not mean to Bogart, but like the, no. the sherry whiskey. Humphrey. Like, oh, that was, perfect that timing. Was, that was perfect. I've been waiting to try that too. I hope you enjoyed it. It was really I, good. It I had it now available. I had it in my car Chicago. actually for three days <laughs> without trying it. So Sherry finished yeah. from Sagamore um, Rye. Really now tasty. available. Mr. Ian Stewart, could you step to the mic? Yeah, Ian Stewart, we got to have you on, baby. I mean, you, Craig, Craig, there's a space here. Come actually, on, man. Uh, yeah. A great segue is that Ian was on for the first time with Brett. Brett was a co-host. 
Horrible co-host. Yeah, he's terrible. Yeah. He brought his sock puppets. It's like, come on, dude. It's a podcast. Yeah, exactly. But Brett was, uh, or Ian has been um, really an essential essential part of this industry because he's been from the outside perspective as a consumer who is more knowledgeable than all of us put together. No, that's... And then also somebody who then got a position where we're buying whiskey for a beer program off-premise portfolio. But turning it also into a really, really a great, really a great whiskey gem spot, at the same time where our brands, both Star Wars, Union Horse, Castle and Key, Avalar, uh, Saint George, Uncle Nova, Nearest, Uncle Nearest with, with Ian, got to expand and put themselves in front of people who are interested in trying different things, but also at the same time expand their category outside of beer, outside of wine, into whiskey. And so also our local slash regional slash state uh, representative of a spring bag. Oh, oh that's man. true. Yeah. 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 Spring and Bank Scott Whiskey Society. Yeah, love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Ian, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for, you know, thanks Scottish for inviting name. me up. It's uh, absolutely. The first father of uh, Keen Lake. Oh. The first. The first filth. <laughs> I don't know what that means. But. Filth like a dilf, but with father in front. What's a dilf? Daddy, I'd like to. Oh. <laughs> yeah, friends. There you go. Um, Love it. Yeah, no, that's uh, and, and Jack is very happy to be the first, the first baby a key in the lake. And, we uh, Jack. Little Jack. Yeah, well, you know, uh, twice today my name oh, was Big Jack. For Jack. Big Jack yeah. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> for anyone that's um, listening and, and maybe doesn't tune in to the IG lives um, is anybody still on that? I presume so <laughs> Ian is a massive man and so Jack is probably also going to be a massive young lad as well and hopefully he'll have his old uh, he'll have a couple of tastes of um, some single malts whether they're from Scotland or from Australia at some stage Yeah, hmm. he, uh, so he has been pinned at the 90, 97th percentile Ooh, for his entire life right. so far wow and oh Lyman and about every, yeah I mean that's where it's trending I mean I must be up there Iowa O-line oh, I think the Iowa O-line sure. would be great for him <laughs> <laughs> Whoever's whoever's willing to pay for him. Scholarship. <laughs> Scholarships are open. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, started early. Yeah. For sure. No, and he definitely does have a couple of bottles tucked away. Um, mm. You know, for for does. when the time comes. So. There's maybe there's maybe a, a bottle somewhere as well hiding. <laughs> you know, that's one of the, the first depths things that, for my nephew. Well, got the Shiloh. Jack also. Uh, one thing I did for him was that we blended together this wheat, uh, six-year-old wheat whiskey and four-year-old rye whiskey at Cobalt. Um, my good buddy Phil blended together one of the former distillers there and he made about 180 bottles of it from these two barrels and I took one of those bottles and I'm like I'm going to write a note to it my, my, my nephew Jack who is I think I'm his godfather yeah, yeah let's Maybe you should it. find that out yeah I, I think it was godfather yeah we'll, we'll call it that um, doesn't matter it says Jake <laughs> from Keen yeah. the Lake there yeah. you go yeah but it was it was one of those special moments where you could actually contribute something from where you're living in, what you're doing in, in the present, somebody in the future, because that will maintain inside of that bottle and the presence and preparation it took to actually get to that point after six years, four and a half years, is more immense than I think anyone can appreciate until they're probably in their late twenties, early thirties. Oh yeah, that's really really cool, and I mean I you know. Being being someone who has, still still holds on to the first whiskey 
bottle that I ever drank from, uh, and it has a prominent yeah, point love, in my home bar. Love that story. Oh, uh, that's uh, yeah. Jim Beam, is, right? He is going to find that very special. Yes, it is. It's an old old handle of Jim Beam. Uh, from who knows when I have a history and you know people who don't drink whiskey in my family so I think that was more just booted around because no one was drinking it so uh, at 60s I'm guessing it was probably from so yeah um Ian can you just uh like talk through a little bit about your experience of Keen Lake because I know for a fact that this especially Jake has like completely changed your outlook on Scotch, single malts, whiskeys, and then that's even the, better, even the better, the most important. The and no, 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 honestly, even better, the most important part. And it's gonna, when you speak, it's gonna actually bring in our our second guest here about community of mm. of whiskey and and like seeing people in the whiskey community in Chicago and in the greater area. Yeah, for sure. I uh, um, news podcast now. I, I met. Uh, Sorry, we'll get Dave the Irish guy on, and everyone's going to think it's a girl. Uh, Jake and I met at, at a Scotch Malt Whiskey Society event uh, years back, and I he told me about the podcast, and I, at the time I was just a whiskey enthusiast. Are you sure? I, you did, yeah. I think it was it was like you had just started it, I think. Um, and I, and I, By that, he probably he was probably eight episodes in. And he was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I run this small thing, and you know, we get. 12,000 downloads or whatever it might have been. Yeah, that's, I, I mean, you know, it's all you have to do is meet Jake, you know, for about five minutes and you realize the kind of person he is and you just want to, you know, you want to check out. If he, if he has a podcast, that's great. You want to check out anything he does because he is just a hell of a guy. No, I mean, you laugh, but like, he's not kidding. Yeah, like, seriously. Yeah. Hundred percent. Um, and and honestly, it's a shame like, about the co-hosts. <laughs> <laughs> no, genuinely, genuinely, you it's, make me. It's because he's, me, it's because he's Mexican. Me, he's Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you meet me and you meet Wilson. You're like, man, I don't want to listen to a fucking word these guys say. No, that's you. You guys have all been great. And honestly, like, from a from a retailer's perspective. You guys have always been, all of you guys, involved in the podcast with your brands. You've always been so accommodating and always there when we needed you, um, especially during the pandemic. Um, yeah. For online tastings, for any kind of thing you guys could do to help us get through it and survive. It was, you know, we can't thank you enough. I, it's not just the beer seller. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you guys have done it for countless accounts and it's just we can't appreciate that enough i mean you guys have been amazing and uh you know on top of that just a as friends too i mean you guys yeah. have always been there when we needed you and uh yeah for sure for sure and, and you guys have done such a great job of sharing you know not just your brand stories but but your lives i feel like i'm recycling everything <laughs> that has already been said it's tough following up bob and no. uh i think and i think the big thing for us really is about talking about or especially at the moment it's talking about how you lead a kind of a double life right you oh, have yeah. you have one side which is this this massive and uh, this this huge whiskey enthusiast mm -hmm. this person that loves whiskey this person that owns it he basically has a spring bank tattoo on his hat <laughs> but the thing that i really like about you it really reminds me of bruce um bruce obviously you're My bruce dad. yeah so big brucey um super into his art super super passionate about it but he has this other side which is about 
teaching. Yes, mm. education. Right, yeah. education. Um, and I think that like it comes full circle there. Like obviously this podcast, I think, you know, people can say that this is that we've always been passionate about selling our products and putting our products out there. That's relatively true. You know, obviously Starwood's obviously at the forefront as it should be. No. Pinhook, Pinhook number one, actually. <laughs> there you go. If, if yeah. Starwood's at the forefront, Pinhook's like 10 times 10 on top of that. Everything else, everything else is like a kind of weak second. Um, but I think the biggest thing about this podcast, everybody we have on, whether it's Sean Joseph, whether it's Mr. Chris Blander, whether it's yourself, whether it's Craig, whether it's whoever it might be, it's always been about education, mm, right? Absolutely. Yep. And I think that there is something there about like teaching people that has been like, it, I don't want to say it's a passion, but for me it has been a passion. Mm. And I think that my first ever podcast, the first ever Keen Light podcast that I listened to was when Alan Clark was on the podcast, <laughs> right? Now, Alan Clark was the brand ambassador for Aberlour before I was. Now, no one really knows this. No one really knows this. No one really knows this. But I listened to that podcast and I thought, man, if I was Alan Clark, I would have gotten invited to the wedding. You what? I would have gotten invited to the wedding. Hmm. <laughs> however, however, however. <laughs> however, however, don't laugh. People are laughing at me. I met him <laughs> after the wedding, by the way. Well, whatever, whatever. <laughs> I still, somehow I would have been invited to the wedding. Um, but one of the things that Alan said on the podcast that resonated with Wilson and with Jake especially was Alan said like look this isn't about selling cases of whiskey this is about educating about whiskey mm. and Wilson and Jake both of them were super keen on that they were just like yes this is this is about education 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 and so when I came on up I wasn't under pressure. I didn't feel like I was in a sales pitch. I just felt I was talking about what we're doing. And I feel like that's something that you obviously, you divide your time. You know, you, you have For the sure. education part and then you have the, yeah. the liquor part. But, but, you, it, it, but you also gave us the opportunity to like talk about what we liked about this whiskey industry. I remember the first podcast that you was just you by yourself in Beguile. You asked us about what was our favorite whiskeys, what was our favorite drink. Um, you're like, I never thought about that. It was giving me a different perspective of what was happening in Chicago when it came to drinking. Yeah, for And sure. every person you go into a, a bar, a shop, if you go into a retailer, it's all about what are they looking for and how do you actually interact with that person because if you go up and ask somebody, can I help you? They're going to say no probably 8% of the time because they just don't want to bother. They don't know what they're looking for. They just kind of want to like search around. Probably some of them are looking for like Weller Reserve. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, but at the same time, they're also looking for something different, and they want to explore themselves. It's like it's like searching through a library, looking for what to say Hemingway, for example. And like I got to the H's, got to the H A. Now I'm an H E. Like fucking goddamn rat. It's been flying by all day. Um, but uh, they uh, <laughs> they get to the H E. Now yeah. they're in Hemingway. But where do I go from that name? How do I search in those titles to find where do I start reading these novels? Where do I start drinking these whiskeys? The stories. Where the stories. Yeah. The stories. Where do I hear the stories? Right. Like, I, th I think finding that community is like really important. So, um, so good stories yeah. all, yeah. Well, so I, I came up Craig. through Fountainhead. Um, yeah. Craig and Bob. Bob uh, Bob and, and Susan Rosen, Rosentreiter really like 
Never heard of taught me how to drink whiskey, essentially. Um, and that's like, honestly, why I'm here today. Um, you know, between them and everybody that I've met through this podcast have been influential in my whiskey education, essentially. Yeah. I mean, I, Ian, I met you at Scotch Malt Whiskey Society tastings. Mm. Jake, I still don't know how we didn't cross I paths. I don't know either yet. <laughs> it's been a... It's probably a good sign, Craig. Run now. <laughs> Go the opposite way. Right. Uh, I think it's a little too late for that at this point. we're all in deep. <laughs> but I think, like, to, to your point, Callum, it's, it's about the community that you build along the way. Mm. And, like, I have been very fortunate to have built the community that I have through Fountainhead, through Kena Lake, through now... Maplewood, through Baron Buena, through everybody that I have met through like the whiskey industry in this podcast. Um, Go I think visit all those places. Sorry? Go visit all those places. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Please spend all of your money there for, yeah. you know, like do, oh, what do whatever you, you want. <laughs> Just so you can visit them. <laughs> Well, <laughs> really quick, I mean, Craig, you you are, you know, arguably the the most important person here because <laughs> you are you know, honestly, the, the consumer who supported yeah. everyone through this. And honestly, you are like what this podcast represents distilled uh, into the community, you know, into, you know, being a part of the community, following a passion, not just chasing bottles to flip. You know what I mean? Like, mm, yeah. this the is thing, the best thing of this whole Craig walked in the door tonight. And it was before we started recording. And I said, um, oh, look, Craig. I would love to offer you a bit of our POS, whether it's a t-shirt or a pin or a fucking badge or a whatever it might have been or a bum bag or a fanny pack, as a you guys bag. would call it. <laughs> a bum bag? A bum bag, a fanny pack. A bum pack bag, eh? So, and I looked at him and I was like, well, I could offer you all you, I could offer all those things to you, but you've already got all of them, don't you? And he was like, yeah, please leave me. He's like, I don't need any more fucking people. I mean, honestly, like, I think that just speaks... The podcast for Absolutely. so long, he has everything that we It just speaks that. to, like, how well, like, you guys have, like, built up the, like, yeah. educational foundation of this podcast. Like, I, like, I, like, like Wilson said earlier, I am not in the industry by, like, any stretch of the definition. I am so far outside of the industry, it's not even funny. Not so far. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm, a, I'm close enough. I'm close a, enough. You're adjacent. You're adjacent. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, you're right. You're more involved you than you think. Right. There's not a single part of listening to this podcast or meeting me, meeting Jake, meeting Wilson, that you don't regret the 11th but, of May yeah. 2020. I, I, when I sure. Great, great, but, great example would be... When I saw you walk down the stairs at Fountainhead or at Franklin Room a month and a half ago for SWS, I'm like, oh, fucking Craig's here. Great. Like, like yeah. I'm well, like, shit, that means a lot. That, no, that's <laughs> no joke, honestly. Like, yeah, I was there. Like, like, so I see Kelly walk down, who's in the industry. I see, uh, I can't remember, whoever else walked down the other day. And I'm like, I'm already here. But I see Craig, like, I get to hang out with Craig and drink whiskey with Craig because he's. Somebody who appreciates, someone who I know appreciates whiskey, appreciates what every brand has done in here and where these whiskeys are coming from, from the six we are going to drink tonight. That's appreciation enough to, you know, to share a dram. Well, I, I honestly really appreciate that. Like, I, from, from just everything that you guys have been, like, doing and, like, you know, sharing samples and, and posting stuff, like, I, I feel very, like, 
fortunate to be able to don't believe to that. a word Nick Moss says. Oh no, I don't. <laughs> I okay. don't. Okay, please. Thank you. <laughs> but I like for like honestly though for real like you guys have like built this like this whole community and I I have I mean I've I've done virtual tastings with with you guys and I still talk to I I'm, I don't know how many people from those tastings just because like we got along so well while we were sitting there drinking whiskey, you know, from our, our, you know, home computers, right? Like over COVID that's like, I feel like that's when things just like kind of like took off in terms of like branching out Mm. for building a a wider reaching community. And there's so many people that I wouldn't have been able to connect with or wouldn't have known to connect with outside of, those tastings and so for that like i am honestly eternally grateful mm. like it is it's so it, it's a, a really wonderful thing to have like the that reach of of community like you were saying earlier callum um just honestly because of whiskey because yeah, of, of yeah. good whiskey and, and because of people who enjoy whiskey and want to learn more about whiskey and and tasting whiskey i think it's a uh pretty good place to end because and then those people become friends right yeah yeah where i think it's a good place to end bob on that i just want to have one more guest on right if we can have can i squeeze madam oh yeah get get it right now please please come on come on for cat get over here uh so so during the found, if you go back to the about uh, can I, can I uh, breakfast? if you go back to about 89 90 uh of the episodes of the podcast we did starting with the fountainhead series of events that we started recording in the podcast um bob was prevalent obviously samu bob was bob was maybe uh, if you can imagine a kingdom yeah Bob was like. What about Samu? Look at his face right now. No, no, no. Bob, <laughs> Bob was like. Bob was like the, the, the Lord Commander of the Knights Guard. Ooh, I love he's, that. Right? He's got face. a hell of a scar. One of his famous knights was long hair, long blonde, beautiful hair, very tall. Very he's not elegant. Targaryen though. Samu. It's very oh, Targaryen. Samu could be Targaryen, yes. He's, um, he's a dragon guy. However, however. One of the paramours of the state. Earlier, when I said that, I, first time I, last time I threw up in my life um, <laughs> oh, because of drinking. How long ago? Hi, that was me. Hi, that's me. I want to say about a, two years ago. Oh, it would have been that. about two years ago. Actually, your wife and I were just talking about that before she closed out and when left. I, when I threw up uh, that on her doorsteps. Hi, that's me. It wasn't yeah. his fault, by the way. No, no, it was mine. That No, that's what I told Brittany. I was like, no, hi, that. That's me. I, I love you, and I love your husband. What My she, bad. What, what did she say, by the way, about me while you're over there in the corner? This is a good question. Crazy. Um, Not good things. Seems like none of your business, yeah. my guy. Perfect. Um, anyway. <laughs> Nothing welcome, but good things, I swear. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, I have one more guest after this, but that's it. <laughs> I have questions. Come on. We got loads I of time. I have questions. Well, Kat. Yes, dear. Um, Seems as though we're completely disconnected. You're purveyor of the fine spirits for us after many events at the Fountainhead to record podcasts in such a manner that we were able to procure more drinks than needed, but also necessary at the same time. 
sure what's happening over here. I have no right. idea what's happening over here. Uh, sorry. The old switcheroo. No, um, yeah. Quick old, you know, Chinese fire cat. drill. Everything's we're, fine. We're, <laughs> everything's fine, probably. Uh, we're back uh, at a place familiar to you. Yeah, pretty also, familiar. Relatively. A place, um, well, drink. I love, you know what? I had reservations um, about coming here. You know, I loved my time here at Bitter Pops. As my good friend Tony Bourdain would say, no reservations. <laughs> I um I mean you all know I used to work here and I don't anymore but there are no hard feelings between me and this place actually this is one of my favorite places that I've ever worked mm. um my reservations were mostly just my Bob. own anxieties and you know Bob you we've all met Bob so <laughs> <laughs> nothing you're doing great you look uh, ooh look, look at him great. go look, look at him go made, I think you look just made such a pop Bob said, why? Like, I look great. <laughs> and then I think, I think the reservations were probably, Bob, that you just, you just made such a healthy environment to work in. And you, you look like you're going to a Queen's Rovers <laughs> Park game. And you're literally wow. ready to walk out the door and kick wow. off on in 30 minutes. And I actually wow. love it. Wow. It's phenomenal. Like, it's perfect. Literally. <laughs> Me too. Fucking man. nailed it, my guy. Um, I think my biggest reservation was that, like, I've... I don't do what you guys do. I'm not a whiskey rep. I'm not a connoisseur of things. I sell things. And now, especially three years or so after I've met you all, I'm, I'm yeah. Four. Has it been four? No, I'm not that old. Well, no, not Has for it, me. I have. It's Has it been four years? Two and a bit for me. I have known you since I started at Star Wars. No, you have not. You've known me. Is it, when did you start doing the podcast at Fountainhead? Because that's July when we met. I knew you before that. So it's been two years. No, early June 2020. Uh-huh. It's been since Fountainhead. But, no, I knew you before that. No, you didn't. Yeah. Okay, go home, Jake. You drink too much. May, like, may I no, you, it's though? been since Fountainhead. <laughs> My guy. So you just, can I just make an observation? I'm David, by the way. Sorry, I just joined. <laughs> Can I make a quick observation? Go ahead, David. I only met you two hours, 30 minutes ago. Two okay, so he's the expert, Hi, clearly. <laughs> yeah, but, but you did ago. convince me. What did you convince me to do in the two a hours and 30 minutes? A shot of Fernet. Yeah, and why, it was well, why, do you think that it, why, do you, why do you think I took that shot of Fernet? Oh, because I'm so pretty. Yep. In part. But why else do you think I took that shot of Fernet? Because you're a terrible decision maker. Oh, wow. Honestly, honestly I'm actually enjoying you know, this thoroughly. You know, I love at least out of the four of us, three of us are terrible decision makers. Yeah, it's perfect. But the other reason is this, right? With, whether you believe it or not, is that like you invoke confidence. Like, I trust you. I came up to that you and you seems said, like listen, you kind of problem, I've my dude. F- no, 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 no. I trust you. No, you no, no. I came up but and you, you literally do anyway. said, yes. and but that you seems like a you confidence. kind of <laughs> And you, you did. And I said, you know what? Like, this is one of my best friend's nights. And I haven't I had a Fernet since, since I was working as a brand ambassador for Jemison, maybe really. like seven years ago. And literally, I, I looked at you and I said, all right, we're going to do it. And we did it. There's and been then, a bit of shit talked about Jemison tonight, actually, on the phone. <laughs> Has there? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's prior. To there's it. been a solid amount of shit talked about Jameson tonight. I think there's been a little bit of shit talked about Jameson. Oh, well, 
But actually, I mean, that's kind of what I was going to say about these guys is, you know, I had a lot of anxiety about coming here. I wasn't really going to know anybody in the crowd because the only people I know are the people in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Bob was going to be Where my guy outside is. of. And then I showed up. He was sitting behind a mic. Jamie was here. Thank God. But like I had a lot of anxiety and that's my own, you know, yeah. whatever. But, you know, that's what I've Look, always loved about you guys and this podcast is when I showed up to Fountainhead, it was one of my early days working at Fountainhead. And there's yes. these and there's these like this group of dudes behind a mic. And I'm like, well, what the fuck? I'm just trying to fill the fucking ice bins. And they're telling me and, and, they're, and I'm going and I'm going and I'm dumping ice. I'm dumping buckets of ice into the well. And they're like. <laughs> and I, I'm, no, and I'm no. looking at that like, no, Bob, you. Bob was, Bob was shushing you. Okay, yeah. well, you know what? Bob's not in the room right now, so I'm gonna. Sh- <laughs> I'm gonna. <laughs> you bash Let me. Yeah. Can I? Can I just tease something up, please? Can I tease something up? Because baby, um, you know we, I think the three of us, we started this as something that was a little bit dumb in the sense that we just you wanted to tell have stories. You never done anything dumb in your whole life. Yes, of course. Never. The three of you? I think never. Jake especially. I've read all the articles on Kindle Lake. Sorry, I know all the what? story. A little red. Wilson, I know all the story. Myself, I, well, I, I, yeah. I've forgotten half the story. But... I honestly think that when I look back now, and this is 200 episodes, 200, that's insane. Now, a couple of things. First of all, first of all, I'm not going to get emotional like Wilson, because one, I'm not from Mexico, two, I'm not from Puerto Rico. Cry, whether it's on podcast or not, I will make you cry. You can try your best. The, the main thing is, the main thing is, is that all of this, all of this, regardless if it's Chris Blantner, regardless if it's Ian, regardless of Craig, Fucking Brendan, who showed up and been getting drunk with everybody. Thank, thank you for that, Brendan. Cat, Davy. Um, I think the main thing of all of this is really to understand the efforts and the absolute pulse that's been of this podcast. Chris, and I want to bring you in here for for a second here. No, Jamie. Jamie Lee, Jamie Lee, I have to bring him in here for a second because the absolute pulse of this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, the, the guy that has been week in and week out working on this thing is one guy. And Chris, who is it? Not This Jake. guy right here. Who's this guy? Jake. Oh, Mr. Jake Hoogie. Just kidding. I oh, mean, lies. I there is like... no one on the planet, ladies and gentlemen. This guy, for for those who don't know, um, when I was in the when I was in the pandemic, and we talked a little bit about this, and I've never talked about this on the podcast. He just turns the mics off. <laughs> no, no, he's turning them up probably for this <laughs> fucking thing. When I when I was during the pandemic, I lived alone. I had nothing going on. I had no tastings, whatever, blah blah blah. I was like by myself, whatever. Big man Jake, Brittany. Our, our deputy producer and Remy Liu, our senior producer mm. at the time, 
Um, they would invite me over to the house, and I swear to God, ladies and gentlemen, that was the only human contact that I got from March 19th, 2020. 17th. Or, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. I'll tell you about that later. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, had some con- he had some contact in the two days. In the two days. March two 19th. Days. <laughs> him, him and Fauci got together. March 20. March 19th, 2020, <laughs> until June 3rd, right, when so we... what happened March 17th and 18th? No, 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 no it doesn't matter. No, no, um, I feel but like seriously, I Fauci. Fauci came to the door and I said, hey, doctor, you want a wee, you want a wee inspection? No, no. been there. Been but no, seriously, seriously, guys, like, Jake said to me over the pandemic, he was like, look, I don't have anything to do. Do you want to build this thing into something that's a little bit bigger? Now, if without the pandemic, who knows what would have happened? It might have died, whatever. But we've gotten to the stage now that there are people quite literally across all corners of the globe that subscribe and listen to this podcast. Romania. Right? Now, let me just say, because I, haven't, I don't say this enough, and I haven't said this enough. This guy, Mr. Jake Herkey, is despite the fact that he doesn't want to be named by it. He doesn't want to be shown to be this guy, but he has put in quite literally thousands, thousands of hours into whether it's design, whether it's event, presentation, edition, whatever it might be, into this podcast. And we're all here because of his benefit. So, Jake, can you give us, can you give us an elevator pitch onto why I should not unsubscribe right fucking now. Before, you fucking dick. Be, you dick. Before, you fucking dick. You fucking dick. No, before no. Jake goes into his elevator pitch, I do want to say that the dedication that it takes to put on to put on this podcast and to do two hundred fucking episodes. Is is absolutely epic. Like it takes. We're talking about four hundred hours. Yeah, you 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 Maybe hit on it, Callum. Like alone. the thousands of hours that go into planning and coming up with questions and researching, doing the interview, doing the post, post. You know, uh, posting this uh, to all the platforms is just an, yeah. It's just an unbelievable commitment that that. People that listen to a podcast do not understand, and it's it's pretty epic. And it's and I I get all of the hard work that goes into it. So Jake, kudos and, to you for. And before we come back to this guy, all of that. Before we come back to this guy, it's so easy for all of us to just come in, do our part, sit on the mic. This is the easy part. Totally. I've tried to book guests, by the way. It is, in this industry, it is nigh fucking impossible, ladies and gentlemen. The girls, That's crazy. Yeah. The girls don't a, like us. This is the first time you've ever asked me to be Yeah, no shit, mic. bitch. Yeah, Let's do this. Crazy. No, um, no, seriously, seriously. Dope. One thing, one thing, one thing I would say. One thing I would say before we go to Jake. Hmm. Uh, let's delete that. Um, one thing you would say. One thing I would say about all of it is that the... The real hours that you can count, whether it's you're looking for, you do the outreach, everything, that's about half the time. 
because, or maybe even less, maybe a third of the time, because Jake and I, I've, I've seen this in, in person, and I don't mean to big you up, Jake, but mm. this guy lives and breathes this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. This is not, this, is, this, isn't, about, this isn't about someone gives you a brief, and then you go out and look for the, the brief. This is about you, you believe in something and then you believe the brief and then you create the brief and then you follow it and then you enact it and then you make it happen and then you evaluate it. Mm. Now, those are, fo- I'm, I'm sorry, but those are so, so, so few and far between. Nowadays, there are a few people like yourself, man. And look, 200, we got the balloons, your <laughs> wife showed up. <laughs> Which is the first time in 200 episodes. Thanks so, for that. Happened. Record half episodes. So, Callum, Callum, can I? Makes sense. This is, I think it's a pertinent question. Jay, can I? Can I ask you a question yeah. as someone that's like just yeah. tuned in today? Uh, which is a really simple one. What is it that makes you want to keep doing it? Like, um, keep driving this podcast forward. This is yeah, number 200 onwards. What is it that drives you? Yeah, that's uh, a good question. That's Callum O'Donnell. Thanks, Calm. Um, um, it's it's something. It's a story I've probably uh, stretched out in belief, but also at the same time, it simultaneously lived on to the point of why I love the whiskey industry, which is my grandpa took me fishing at the banks of Jim Beam's ponds when I was a little kid. Um, he was an engineer at Jim Beam for twenty years. It was something I never recognized as a child, like why would you, that this is a very important moment in your life or a very special place to live until I was 21 years old and I remember being on Christmas break from college and drinking whiskey and beer with my grandpa the entire four days. I was at his house during Christmas break and enjoying a bevy, as you would say. Thank God. <laughs> um, well. But it was it was later on when my when Brittany, who was my girlfriend at the time, wife now, uh, good for her. We went to God. We went. We went to my my grand my grandpa's house um, in Louisville. We were actually down in Kentucky visiting distilleries for the first time together. A few years ago, many years ago, and we went by and we had lunch at my grandparents' house and my grandparents were just so happy to see one of their grandchildren, one of their offsprings, uh, kids doing what they love. And I brought him a bottle of whiskey from the distillery I was currently working at and he was telling us stories and these stories aligned in my head at the time. I was sitting on the couch in their uh, living room thinking like, God, I've heard this before or I've... I've, I've, uh, it's something that is inside of me. I'm not sure why. And then you start to hear like, oh, Baker Beam, Booker No. These are the people you've been telling me my entire life about stories you worked with. And it was the best job you ever had. And you didn't start until you were in your early fifties, which made me think that you could never give up on your life because he had probably lived a dispassionate life through, through what he did as um, his job, his occupation to provide for his family. And then finally by the time where his kids graduated college and he could actually enjoy a pursuit for himself, he did that. And that came through whiskey. 
and those stories and that passion he told, the memorabilia he had up in his house his entire life, the the photos on the walls, everything about Jim Beam was encapsulated in my grandpa's house in the in the in the little moments of his life that he appreciated the most in the last twenty years that um was his occupation and was his work life. He didn't retire until he was 60, 75 years old. And honestly, he'd be working at Jim Beam to this day when he's 93, if he could. But the people, you know, you know things don't, don't work out that way. And I saw this passion, this ideal that he had inside of him. And I was, I was finding that in beer in Chicago. I was finding that in beer across the world through uh, my occupation, being able to travel and taste these these beverages across the entire United States and across the world when I was fortunate enough to do that. And then I saw a, a little bit of a glimpse of, uh, of hope of a pursuit through a distillery called Koval here in Chicago, where they were on this national TV show showing off their whiskey. And I, I wanted to pursue that because I could, I could incorporate what I love as a child hearing from my grandfather but also following the per- the pursuits I had as a passion as an individual as an adult, and equally uh, equating that to not just him but my grandfather who were other grandfather who ran a restaurant his entire life um, that was about honoring his family, honoring the small business he owned in Iowa, and providing everything he could into that family. So I started dedicating kind of my life into that where I was coming from this corporate structure coming from this background of traveling all throughout America and seeing and talking to people all throughout across this entire, what we call the United States and realizing that we weren't that different as individuals. What made us different was where we were from and the passions we had about what we were based as based inside of and how we could encapsulate that through our little moments of history, which could be a brewery, which could be a distillery, which could be a restaurant, which could be, a, you know, anything anything in your small town America, anything in your big city of America. But as long as you had passion and pursuit from it, you could find dedication. You could find people that would relate to you and help you grow that, grow that pursuit. And once I got, I got inside of this whiskey industry about eight, nine years ago, 10 years ago, I didn't want to let go. And then when I met my, the founder of star Wars, Dave Vitale, it was kind of just as imperfect, it's perfect encapsulation of what we wanted to do as a brand what he came from what i came from to collide all into one he was from a family of italian heritage as was i um he was an immigrant to australia his family was where my family was an immigrant to america and both of them started these different pursuits through family business and then through whiskey I think we came together. He started a single malt distillery. I fell in love with the passion of whiskey through one of my my paternal grandfather, but I had that small-minded business pursuit from uh, my paternal grandparents who came from Italy. Uh, we're first generation. So what I loved about how I could collide, everything I, I gained from my family, everything I gained from what I loved, and everything I gained from being a person in their mid-20s that felt lost, but at the same time wanted to connect the world of America into one, it became whiskey. So that's where Star, that's where Keen Lake began. Um, my pursuits from Koval to Star Wars to any other endeavor that I've had has been founded inside of this. It's just, but the biggest thing about 
this project of what we call Keena Lake is about friendship and growth together. So when I could pull Wilson in from the very beginning, I could pull our friends in, have these conversations to then meeting Callum and then bringing him to be a part of this and bringing Chris in, bringing Bob in, bringing everybody who's inside of this room together to be a part of this podcast. It wasn't about what could, what could I do? It's about what we could we do as a together bringing all these different distilleries, bringing all these different brands, being all these different networks of the spirits industry into one. And I think that's what became Keen the Lake. I think, um, man, first of all, that was beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Great, great answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, that is fucking beautiful. Great answer. I think, um, you know, after listening to that, <laughs> I think it's uh, it's obviously tough to listen to that. There's a lot going on there. Um, but one thing I'd say before we sign off is, for me at least, mm. it's really been about purpose. Mm. I think that's the one word that like comes back to me time and time again with this podcast. Like Whether I'm... Sometimes I fall out of love with whiskey... Yeah. Um. Sometimes I fall out of love with all of you guys. Like fucking hell. Like I, I don't want to see. Especially Bob. Right especially Bob. I will fight you right now, though. I don't want to see. I will fight you right Bob now. Bob Zacharias. No, seriously. You're guys. Bob. I'll fight you right now, though. No, no. I mean, I, that's a that's a positive in my life. Um. But no, seriously, seriously. When I met you, it was about whiskey. And then it became about like passion and then it became about love and, and over COVID it, that, that happened. But now it's, it's purely for me, it, we do this all the time. I mean, Chris and I were very good friends and all these guys here were very, very good friends and Kat, you can leave. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, no, seriously, seriously. Um, I might leave I or I might not. buy you seven shots of Malort. No, no, no. But like seriously, seriously, Danger, seriously. Before Danger we sign Danger. off, before Danger we sign off, before we sign off, before we sign off. Um, for me, I think that there's very few people in Chicago, apart from Brittany and maybe Lola, that have spent as much time with you that I have. Yeah. And I feel that um, whether it's in the car and I see these other sides of you, which are a little bit weird, honestly. Like, aggressive. I, I hear these 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 songs that I wasn't expecting to hear, and and then I hear these opinions that I was like, "Wow, man, I love these opinions." But um, I honestly feel, man, that Trump, like, this journey is about purpose. It's about finding yeah. purpose. Um, and regardless of what we all do, I think that one of the special things about you is that. You have united a bunch of people who would never have been united otherwise mm. in a purpose of something. Now, fine, it might not be their life's purpose, but it, it is something that they pursue and it's it's really special. And and man, look, it's always before we there. sign it, before we sign it, to everybody here. Yeah. Thank you so much for being part of that purpose. And Jake, thank you so much for mm. honestly creating it. Thank you, man. Thanks for listening. And most of all, like, you know, uh, I've shared, I've shared a lot of personal.
Yeah, I've shared a lot of personal feelings on this podcast, which I never intended to be, um, but it became a, a personal space for us all to grow together as human beings. Cheers. We love you, bye. Ciao.